In this edition of Locked On Capitals, Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington joins me as we talk about the return of Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom and what do the Caps have to do to stay in the win column for the remainder of the season. We'll talk about all of that and more next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form. So head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up or leave some comments. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Dan Caps 218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Locked On Caps. So, in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we are joined by Matt Wyrick. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Dan. Good to be here. So an interesting piece that I saw you post here just before I got on the air here was the most games in the NHL this season with one uh, a power play goal or fewer allowed, and the Capitals were on the top of that list. Tell us a little bit about that article you put out there. Yeah, the Capitals power play unit has emerged as one of the best units in the entire NHL uh, since November 23rd. They're fourth in the NHL in penalty kill percentage, and it's been a huge part of their turnaround over these past month plus. Trevor Van Riemsdyk and I had a really good conversation about just how they've been able to kind of come together under this new system that assistant coach Scott Allen has brought in. Of course, they go away from Scott Arneal. He goes to the Winnipeg Jets. They bring in a new system. There's some tweaks and philosophical changes. So talked about my conversation with Trevor and, and some of those changes uh, in the story. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, it's a it's a good article to read on uh, NBCSports.com uh, there. So just an interesting article on there. But this Capitals team is humming along. Uh, December was really a month that really the Capitals kind of came out of the woods, if you will, that they kind of came into their own. Uh, but now when you take a look at it, what is kind of the identity is this team? Is this something that this Caps team can continue to do going forward? I know it's kind of an interesting thing. You have Tom Wilson come back and you have Nick Backstrom come back. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show. But is it possible that that could kind of offset the chemistry a little bit? You saw some players coming in and out of the lineup. You see Anthony Mantha, Nicholas Abe-Cubel, Alexi Protus, that kind of thing. What are your thoughts about the cap sustaining this winning going forward? Yeah, you know, I think going back to your question about the identity, I think really that is discipline. Uh, this is a Capitals team that has absorbed a lot of losses this year, yet they've maintained you know, pretty good special teams, pretty good five-on-five play, pretty good goaltending. No matter who has really been in the lineup, there's obviously been some key fixtures uh, up and down lineup. Of course, Alex Ovechkin is in there. You've got Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Nick Jensen, who have been healthy pretty much all season, Eric Gustafson as well. Uh, but they've had to plug a lot of holes. And for the most part, the guys that have come in and plugged those holes, whether they be off-season additions, guys that have been around a while, or even some mid-season additions, they've all filled in really well. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Peter LaViolette and his coaching staff for that. They've been able to instill a system that works really regardless of who's in the lineup. Now they, they bring back Tom Wilson and Nicholas Backstrom yesterday or Sunday, excuse me. And you know, that, that, that would look a little rough, not going to lie. It, it was those two guys, if 
finding their legs beneath them, playing in their first game in eight months. You know, it's going to take some time for those two guys to get acclimated, not just on their new lines, but on the power play units for Wilson. He's eventually going to get moved into the PK. There's a lot of changes here and a a lot of things that uh, pairings that maybe these guys are not very used to. So it's going to take some time for all those things to get ironed out. But as we've seen all season, you know, no matter who's been in the lineup, the Capitals have been able to put together a winning product. And now with the talent that these two guys bring to the table, I'm sure that it's only going to get better from here. I mean, and if you take a look at it, the Caps are third in the Metro, 23, 14, and 6, 52 points. The Devils in second place have 53 points. Wow. Have the fortunes of this Capitals team really changed a lot? It's funny, when you take a look back at October, November, everyone's like, where they're going to be lucky to even be a wild card team. It seems like they're really kind of going in the right direction. Um, It's interesting to see what exactly changed because there weren't a lot of players that came back to the lineup. T.J. Oshie was kind of in the lineup, out of the lineup. One of the things that T.J. Oshie had said was that the defense was playing more sound. And it's interesting that uh, Peter Laviolette had that meeting with the Capitals and ultimately said that they're going to have to be more accountable. And sometimes those meetings work, sometimes they don't. But it seems like uh, Peter Laviolette's message is getting through and the Capitals continue to kind of string together when something they weren't able to do earlier in the season. Yeah, it was funny. Peter Laviolette joked that that meeting with Capitals leadership at the time was with the leaders who were healthy. And he said it was pretty much just him and Ovechkin having a cup of coffee together because everybody else was out of the lineup at that point. But they, they've they pretty much come together now. John Carlson obviously has a long-term injury there uh, after getting hit in the face of the puck just before Christmas or sorry, New Year's. Uh, so he's got or actually it was Christmas. Uh, so he's going to be out a while, and, and that's definitely a, a significant hole that the Capitals have to fill, you know, out on the top blue line pairing, on the penalty kill, on the power play. You know, a lot of guys are going to have to step up for him over these next few months, but everyone else is in the lineup. You know, they pretty much got their full-strength roster now, uh, and now they have one of the easiest records or easiest schedules uh, in the NHL the rest of the way. They have some of the fewest games in the NHL the rest of the way, so more off days uh, throughout the rest of the season. They obviously have a couple – uh, of games where, you know, other teams behind ahead and behind them in the standings have some games in hand. So, you know, that point total might be a little bit misleading right now just because uh, teams like the Devils, teams like the Rangers are going to play a couple more games and probably pass the Capitals in the standings over the next week or so. But, you know, as we get through the rest of the season, you know, this is a team that is finally pretty much healthy. And it's really, you know, exciting to think about what it could look like once these new guys that are just being inserted start clicking. Yeah, so that's what that's what we're hoping for is consistency. I guess, you know, Capitals fans and the Capitals in general can kind of start crossing off excuses about why this team does bad if they happen to start losing games because Darcy Kemper, who stopped all 37 shots he faced as Washington won the eighth game in 11 games, eight, one, and two. One of the things you had tweeted out earlier was Darcy Kemper already has as many shutouts for in 26 starts this season as Ilya Samsonov and Vitek Vanacek had in each of their 40 plus games last year. So that, you know, consistent net minding that they have out there, that has to be one of their saving graces right now, because last year, everyone said, well, the Caps aren't doing that great because, you know, they got Sam Sonoff and Vanacek and it's kind of a toss up of which goalie is worse. Having Darcy Kemper out there in Charlie Lindgren, who kind of saved the Caps uh, bacon, if you will, in December, it's really a kind of an envious position, you got to say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the Lindgren uh, Darcy Kemper tandem right now goes as one of the best one-two pairings uh, in the NHL as far as goaltenders go. I mean, probably the Boston Bruins are number one, but after that, I think the Capitals have to be very happy with the production that they've gotten 
out of their goaltending duo. They went into the offseason making that a huge priority. Could have brought back one of the two, a Vanacek or Sam Sonoff, but decided, you know what, we're going to clean house first time in franchise history uh, that they mm-hmm. did not retain any of their goaltenders from the year prior. So it was a big move for GM Brian McCullen in his front office, but they bring in an established champion in Darcy Kemper and a player in Charlie Lindgren who had a Showed a lot of potential in small sample, but really hadn't gotten a chance to get a long run. And that's exactly what he's had with the Capitals this year and shown that that small sample was no fluke. So I think the Capitals have to feel really confident about their goaltending situation, no matter who's in net. You know, the funny thing is that I notice is kind of observing these goalies once they leave the team. You look at Vitek Vanacek killing it out in New Jersey. Sam Sonoff up in Toronto, kind of a mixed bag. And one of the things I was listening to on NHL Network Radio on the way home is that Phoenix Copley, you know, kind of a depth player, is 11-2 and for the Kings. Who saw that coming? It's funny that, you know, they kind of leave this team and all of a sudden a change of zip code is sometimes what the doctor ordered for these guys. Yeah, and, and they're not the only ones, too. Varlamov is doing well. Grubauer has kind of had an up-and-down season this year. You know, Logan Thompson, you kind of put an asterisk on that, but he was uh, in the capital system at one point playing uh, for their AHL affiliate, Hershey Bears. So, you know, there's a lot of goaltenders that have come through D.C. and, and had success elsewhere. It's kind of an anomaly, I feel like, uh, when you look at other teams. I don't think a lot of other teams are letting quality goaltenders go like that. But, you know, the Capitals opted to go for experience. They opted to go for maybe a little bit more expensive uh, in, in getting Kemper, you know, somebody who's going to command over $5 million a year. You know, that's that's investing in your goaltending. You, you know, you're not just going with the young guy that you hope pans out uh, and then you can spread the money around elsewhere. They they made goaltending a priority. Uh, and it, it's showing right now that that was a smart move because, you know, I think this goaltending has really carried the team at points when the offense has been up and down. I mean, and if you take a look at it, even through the pipeline, you have Zach Fukali, Hunter Shepard, Garen Bjorklund. I mean, this team is built for nuclear Armageddon. And, uh, you know, if you take a look at the goalie position, no matter what they throw at him, I think the Capitals are in a great position, at least in net. All right. So after the break here, we will talk about Tom Wilson and Nick Baxter returning Protus and Snively sent to Hershey. And what does it ultimately mean for Anthony Mantha and Nicholas Abe Kubel? We'll talk about that after the break. BetOnline.net is the number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite games, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we have Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. So one of the interesting moves, we knew someone had to come out of the lineup for Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom to return. As it turns out, it was Alexi Protus and Joe Snively. Joe Snively was the one that had to face the waiver wire, but he successfully made his way down to Hershey. Kind of a tough pill to swallow for Alexi Protus, you know, a guy that probably wasn't slated to be on the big team, but played so well in the preseason and in camp. He found a way on his team, but now he gets sent down to Hershey. What is the long-term plan, do you think, for Alexi? Do you think he has a spot on this team 
going forward this season. I guess it depends a lot on injury or something like that. But kind of your heart goes out to the guy, um, you know, that put all that work in, and then you get that rejection of, I'm sorry, you got to go back down to Hershey. Yeah, it's got to be a tough pill to swallow for him, but I don't think it's an indictment on the Capitals' part in terms of what they see from him and his potential down the line. He he definitely shown some flashes this year of being a very quality player, and he's got the size and makeup, I think, to stick in the NHL and be a quality player at this level. But ultimately, he was the only player on the roster who was waiver-exempt, and I think that was kind of the defining characteristic, defining reason why he was sent down. They just didn't want to risk losing any more players. You know, they had to put Joe Snively on waivers. I know the Capitals didn't want to do that, but ultimately the the move to bring back Backstrom and uh, Wilson, it just kind of forced their hand. So they send Protus down and he's going to be down in Hershey, of course, not the NHL, not where he wants to be, but he's going to get top six minutes. He's going to get some time in the power play. I saw he already had a couple of primary assists of Connor McMichael. So the two of them are getting the chance to build some more chemistry together and be on the same line. So that's, that's definitely something I think is interesting. And I also find it interesting that they're keeping him on the wing. You know, he has played center in his career and, and it does seem like uh, center is his natural position, but the fact that they're continuing to play him on the wing, I think that see they see him as that is kind of his uh, current stop, his current position for the team. If if he were to be called up, he would be called up to play wing. Uh, so you know they ultimately are keeping him there to keep him fresh, keep him comfortable in that spot in case they need to call him back up again. So definitely a hard pill to swallow. He's shown a lot of promise this year, but only being 22 years old, I think the sky's the limit for him. And you know he could still have a very successful career and stick at the NHL you know, whether it be this season, next season and beyond. Yeah. And another player that uh, had that kind of same thing happen to him was Anthony Mantha. Um, Kind of a tough thing for him, but ultimately someone has to come out of this lineup to um, accommodate these players coming back. And kind of one of a polarizing player is Anthony Mantha. I hear a lot from people on Twitter and YouTube saying, you know, that Anthony Mantha isn't this great player. But I was reading an interesting thing on Japer's rink, and they were talking about Anthony Mantha is posting a career best individual expected goal rate at five on five, uh, third among team forwards behind the greatest goal scorer of all time in Sonny Milano, and is outproducing that. Um, and they talked a little bit in this article about Lars Eller and Marcus Johansson a season ago was his line mate, or excuse me, this season, and Nick Backstrom and TJ Oshie before that. So you know, on paper, it seems like Anthony Mantha isn't having maybe that great of a season. But do you think in part it has to do with his line mates? Um, because, you know, on it seems like he is has the um, uh, potential of being a lot better hockey player. It just seems that he's very hot and cold. Yeah, you know, he's definitely been a streaky player. And, you know, I think he'd be the first to tell you that he he's not blaming anybody else, his line mates, his coaches or whatever. Uh, ultimately, he doesn't even think that it was his points and his goals that was really the driving reason why he was scratched. He believes that he needs to improve his work ethic, uh, you know, m- maybe playing, you know, just a bit more physical, you know, on, on the boards, uh, on the off on the power play when he does get his chance. I mean, his minutes were going down. It was definitely clear that he was kind of trending in that direction. Uh, but ultimately I, I think that Mantha is going to get another chance to succeed with this team. You know, they're too invested in him. Not to mention that he's they're paying him 5.7 million this year, but they traded a first round pick. They traded a promising young player in Jacob Rana. You know, he's still under contract through next year. The Capitals absolutely want Anthony Mantha to be the player that they acquired him to be. Uh, and certainly they're going to give him a chance at some point. I just think that right now they're going to let him regroup, letting him, you know, play with the scratches, play, uh, take maybe a little bit more practice time than you would get if you're a, a, an everyday player uh, to work on work on your craft to improve your game 
uh, and, and maybe get some pucks to bounce your way. Cause ultimately he does have some poor puck luck and that's, that's definitely been a contributing factor to his offense overall. But you know, he's sitting there with the exact same goal and point totals as he had last year uh, in, in more games. So definitely not producing on that end though. We have seen some flashes of excellence for sure. And, you know, part of it is, I think when they brought Anthony Mantha here is they saw his big frame and his big size, and they kind of just assumed he would be kind of a tough guy. But, you know, he's not intrinsically a tough guy. I think they kind of tried to mold him into that. But the couple fights I've seen him in kind of looked a little bit awkward to me. But, you know, ultimately, I think the Capitals would be wise to keep him on this team considering the myriad of injuries they have faced, you know, to have a guy like that in, in their back pocket in case someone gets injured, it's kind of a good position uh, for the Capitals to be in. You know, oftentimes I hear people say, well, Anthony Mantha would be a good trade piece. And I hear some crazy things out there and people don't really understand the trade market. Why don't they trade Anthony Mantha for Bo Horvat? Like that's a real life scenario out there. I mean, part of it is, is Anthony Mantha, I think holds more value to the Capitals right now um, as a depth piece, uh, you know, at worst case scenario, because I think if they try to move Anthony in and of himself, I don't think they're going to get a whole lot for him in return. What is your assessment for Anthony Mantha in some crazy event that they tried to trade him? Yeah, you know, I think anytime you you make a player a healthy scratch, that's going to hurt their trade value. You know, it's not just other teams looking at the player's production and, and making their own assumptions. But when you see that a team has kind of you know, made this indictment of, of taking him out of the lineup, you know, that, that never reflects well on a player. And I don't think that it signals the Capitals have any plans to trade Mantha at this point. You know, like you said, he could be a very valuable death piece. And if he's well-rested and comes back in with a new mindset and, and ultimately improves his game on the offensive end a little bit, you know, he could be a, a huge piece for the Capitals down the stretch. Like I said, I think they're going to give him some run here at some point later this season to, to try to figure things out uh, and, and get himself back going. But you know, ultimately, I think it's very unlikely that they trade him. And, and this is a player that they're they're very much trying to get right and, and get playing uh, in the system the way that they hope he can thrive. Yeah, that's just, uh, you know, like I say, I think they would be better off kind of keeping him, you know, like at worst case scenario as a depth piece. All right. So after the break here, we will talk about the Caps blue line. And then we will talk about Brian McClellan's knack for finding these players, kind of these diamonds in the rough and signing them to cheap deals. We'll talk about that next. All right, welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this episode, we are joined by Matt Wyrick of NBC Sports Washington. In this next segment here, one of the things I'm going to talk about is Brian McClellan has a knack for finding kind of these depth pieces and getting them on the cheap. See Sonny Milano, uh, see Nicholas Abe-Cubell. If you want to take a look at previous seasons, Brett Conley and Devontae Smith-Pelly, uh, the Caps are in a bit of an interesting position. They don't have a ton of cap space. So it's kind of advantageous for them to kind of pick up these players that have a little impact uh, financially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of the only area that the Capitals can look around. I mean, coming into the year, it, it, the Capitals cap situation posed a significant problem. You know, it was like, how are they going to fit all of these contracts for Backstrom and Wilson when they come back with Ovechkin's massive salary and Anthony Mantha making, you know, a, a pretty penny. And now they bring in uh, Darcy Kemper making over $5 million. So, you know, the, the Capitals were forced to kind of turn their attention to that level of the market. And ultimately, Brian McClellan has swung some big moves. I mean, they, you know, they sign uh, Sonny Milano off free agency. They have to put him through waivers and nobody claims him. And that's ultimately uh, looking like a move that probably some other teams out there are regretting. 
uh, as Milano has really come alive here, particularly in the last few weeks, even getting big minutes on special teams, uh, playing uh, in practice today. He was on the top line uh, with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom. So it appears that that is going to be their top line uh, for tomorrow's game against Philadelphia, which is uh, a very interesting uh, development considering that Milano you know, began the year not on a team. He was cut uh, from the Calgary Flames camp uh, without a contract. So it, it's, it's pretty remarkable uh, that he's been able to, to come in and contribute. Nicholas Abe-Kubel uh, has come in, maybe not contributing a ton offensively, but I think he does bring a big physical presence uh, that has been beneficial for the Capitals this season. So uh, I think they've liked what they've seen from him. They obviously chose to protect him from waivers rather than Joe Snively. And I think that also kind of shows how they feel about him. So ultimately, you know, some great moves by McClellan, some great offseason moves as well. You know, a lot of newcomers, Strom, Gustafson, Kemper, Lindgren, all playing very good hockey this year. Uh, you know, it's it's something where the Capitals, in order to maintain this level of success that they've had for years, they needed to hit on players like that. And that's exactly what they've done in recent seasons. Yeah, and one of the things that Peter Laviolette had said about Nicholas Abe-Cubell is he didn't really do anything wrong to come out of the lineup. He just came out of the lineup because someone has to come out of the lineup. So there are some interesting questions now, considering the fact that Sonny Milano has played so well. Eric Gustafson has played so well. A lot of these guys on one-year deals, Dylan Strom, for example, who are the, which one of these players are, how many of them do you think are going to come back to this team? There's going to be some interesting decisions for Brian McClellan in the offseason, like I've spoke to you about before, that John Carlson is the only player on the blue line under contract after this season. A kind of an interesting position for the Caps to be in going forward. Absolutely. There could be a very significant turnover for this team. The goaltending is probably the only situation uh, that will remain the same. You know, you'll have the stars that are on big contracts, the Carlsons, the Oshies, the, the Ovechkins, the Backstroms, the Wilsons, but uh, after that, you know, you know, Connor Sheary, who's second on the team in goals this year, he's an unrestricted free agent. Dylan Strome, who they brought in a one-year deal, he's a restricted free agent, free agent. Martin Farabari, one of the defensemen they've been able to develop and, and turn into a quality player, he's going to be a restricted free agent. So there's a lot of big decisions for this team coming up this offseason, and they could look very different next year. I think that a lot of them are, are making good cases to stick around, but uh, this is going to open up some cap space. So some of them could get paid and still come back. Uh, it's really a question of who are the Capitals going to prioritize the most. I think the fact that Faravari and Strom are restricted free agents uh, definitely bodes well for their chances of returning. And the Capitals get the uh, you know, chance of offer first refusal. refusal. So uh, they will have the chance to bring them back depending on what kind of offer they get. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see you know what their markets are going to look like. But uh, you know I think that the Capitals have been very happy with the play from both of them. Uh, this year, particularly for Strom and, and Faravari, you know, coming off of a huge rookie year last year, uh, they've both been very quality players. And I think that they're definitely part of these teams' plans uh, if they're able to fit them under the cap moving forward. And just some uh, bar, uh, bargain shopping there. If you take a look at Gustafson, $800,000 and Sonny Milano, uh, only 750000 So to get two players like that individually, you know, making under a million dollars is kind of crazy to me. So if you're the GM right now, Matt, and you have to make some decisions, you have to make some moves at the trade deadline. What positions would you try to address? Um, I've talked about in the show, you know, people ask me, you know, what trades do I think, you know, where do they need to address it? I would say maybe a depth defenseman, something like that. As far as the forwards are concerned, it seems like the caps are pretty stacked. If you're the GM today, what moves would you make to help solidify and bolster this team? Yeah, I think you said it. You know, a depth defenseman is probably 
one of the moves we're, we're really looking at. You know, the, the penalty kill has been fantastic. I don't think they need like a fourth line winger, somebody to, to add to the penalty kill or anything like that. Goaltending is obviously set. Uh, and they've been getting offense from their top six, no problem. So uh, with their salary cap situation, they don't have a ton of room to to bring in anybody major unless they were to trade, you know, an Anthony Mantha or a Lars Eller and, and shake things up. But, you know, with the team playing as well as it is, I don't think that Brian McClellan is super eager to, you know, really throw a, a big change uh, into the middle of this lineup. You don't want to mess too much with that chemistry. Uh, this has been a good team, you know, with the players that they have, and and certainly they'll try to to pad that roster and and strengthen it as the playoffs approach. But I don't think that necessarily uh, a big move is coming for this team, just given the state of things and the fact that this offseason with the all the players that they do have coming off the books, uh, they are going to be able to rework the roster then. All right, Matt Weirich, I want to thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Why don't you tell our listeners where we can find your work? Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Uh, and all my written work for the Capitals, Nationals, and other DC sports is over at NBCSportsWashington.com. All right, Matt. Once again, thank you for joining us on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. My name is Dan Holmey, and I'll talk to you again next time.